Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Got to get right into the message. If you've noticed, we've got a theme. This theme is, is growth, and we are in a series called The Year That I Grew. Is this sermon series blessing anybody today, any of this week? Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. We put a lot of time in preparing them and creativity, but most importantly, I don't really care if you say amen and shout me down, although that's good to keep doing it, but what I really want for you at the end of these sermons is to be a better person than you were before they started, and not just in this room, but out there in the world, and that's what we want to see. We want to see you grow as a father, as a mother, as a friend. We want to see you grow as a single person. We want see you grow as an entrepreneur. I want to see you grow as a student or a professor. I want to see you grow as an athlete or an entrepreneur. We want to see you grow. And uh, so we've been in this passage, Hebrews 5.11. You should have it memorized by now. We are here every single week. And so I'll put it on the screen and I'll go ahead and read it. Hebrews 5.11. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. I love that passage. We have that verse We have much to say about this. We have much. God has much for you. This is the message that I'm communicating, but the much that he has for you is dependent on your level of maturity. And uh, that's what we're pushing. The reason why I want you to grow is because we want God to give you more and more. My son is seven right now, Zane. He's not very old right now. And his whole world right now is Minecraft. His whole world. That's what he loves. He thinks that that is the extent of the living human experience. It is Minecraft to the point where I said, you know, Papi, you know, your wife might not be in a Minecraft. I mean, you want to get married one day. He said, oh, no, I don't want to get married. I said, how come you don't want to get married? He said, because I don't want nobody telling me what to do, which made me really analyze my marriage. I was like, what is he seeing at home? Like, that would be his response. And, uh, and, but you know what? I don't take it seriously. You know, I don't take it seriously because he hasn't grown yet. Talk to me when you hit puberty. Talk to me after your first kiss. Then tell me if you want to stay single your whole life. I'm just saying there's much that you don't know because you're not old enough yet. But as you grow, the world gets bigger. And I just want to encourage anyone who came to church today who feels like they've hit the lid on their experience. You've hit the lid in your relationships, the lid in your finances, the lid in your career, the lid on your experience with God, the lid on your prayer life. I just came to tell you on behalf of heaven with the microphone, there is so much more, so much more if we grow, so much more. Verse 12, in fact, though, by this time, somebody say by this time, that's the verse we're going to hone around. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Chapter 6, verse 1. This is our, like we're putting the stake in the ground here. This is what we want. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. And God permitting, we will do so. If you're ready to grow, say amen. Amen. You know, I was a little offended as I read the Bible because when I read the Bible, I sometimes read it reflecting on me. And I couldn't help but get offended when the author called me an infant. He said, infants. And instantly, the man in me said, don't you be, I'm a grown man. Don't you call me no infant. 
I understand the heart of the author. He's trying to correct me, but he don't know me. This is what I tell my staff. If you're ever going to correct somebody on your team, you never do it through text message, and you never do it through email. Like, that's the problem with this. He's correcting them, but he's correcting through writing. And the problem is when you correct somebody through email or text, there's no tone attached to what you said. So you could be saying something like, hey, I want you to get better. Here are the things that you can do to get better. And they don't hear that. They hear you should kill yourself. Nobody loves you, and you're a waste of life. And that's what they hear because they don't have no tone. They can't see the heart. They can't feel the compassion that you have for them. I tell them the only exception from that is if there's relationship. Like if you really, really know that person, and that person really, really knows you, and you got that history, then you can maybe send them a corrective text and all that because hopefully what they'll do is that they'll filter your correction through the context of your relationship. So if you have a relationship with someone, then sometimes you can get it. And I thought, well, maybe that's why he called them infants. Well, I was offended, but these people weren't because they didn't rip up the, the, the Bible when they got it. They got it and they received it. Maybe there was a relationship between the author and the audience. And maybe the reason why he called them infants is because the author saw himself as their father. And then I read verse 12, and then I knew he was a father. Verse 12, it said, in fact, put it back on the screen, Though by this time you ought to be teachers. And I thought, oh, he's definitely a father. Because every parent knows the feeling of having to tell their child something one million times before they actually do the thing that you ask them to do. I will. I'm just going to vent right now. You tell them something a million times. And after a month, they still don't, they still don't get it. Now, I, 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 I'm going to share a story. My son Zane, you know, don't, we, 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 don't, we don't live in a very militaristic home. I just want you to know that. The story that I share with you is going to give you that perception. But my home is a nice place to grow up. And <laughs> we have this rule because we were doing homeschool, Liz and I, with our kids way before the pandemic. We just we decided we wanted to homeschool. Not forever, but for a little bit. And so we had this rule. Some friends told us, you got to create structure when you do homeschool because they just can't go to school whenever they want because then they don't develop the disciplines that translate to everyday life. And so if you can get up and go to school whenever you want, you're going to be in for a rude awakening when you get up and try to go to work whenever you want. That's not going to happen. And so we set a rule in our house. We said, listen, 8.30. 8.30 is when you have to be doing your schoolwork. By 8.30. Mind you, they've been homeschooled their whole life. This has always been the rule. Always. <laughs> to help reinforce this rule, oh, and unfortunately, not unfortunately, and a part of it is, and this is when you're going to think we're like super strict, but I promise you my house is a great place to grow up. If you don't wake up by 830 and get in time for your schoolwork, then you can't do any of the fun things that you wanted to do because you got to get to school for One of those things includes eating breakfast. <laughs> Not, 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 not till, just till. They do their first class and then they eat, okay? We don't start them the whole day like, oh, you wait till lunch, sucker. No, we don't do that. They just, they just take their first class, then they go eat. So, so Zane, so, so, so to help, help reinforce this, not only do, do, we, do we tell them every day of their life, Liz printed out a schedule, laminated said schedule, yes. We own a laminator. <laughs> then we affixed said schedule to the door of his bedroom so that when he leaves his bedroom, he sees it. When he comes in to his bedroom, he sees it. Then when he goes down to the homeschool room, next to his laptop, there is a whiteboard that has the same schedule. 
on said whiteboard. So the other day, he wakes up. It's past 8.30. And he starts making his bowl of cereal. And Liz comes out, and she goes, mm-mm. You know how to put that cereal back? Because it's past 8.30. You got to get to work. And do you know what he said? <laughs> he had audacity <laughs> to look at my wife and say, you never told me that. You never told me that. I was in the other room. I heard it. I shouted. I said, lame. Lame excuse. And I toured him around the house with art slash schedules are posted all over the building. I said, I said bro, I said, bro, you, I, normally he was like, come on, just let me you know, get my cereal real quick. And we're like, no, no, no. You've been here long enough. By this time, I said, by this time, you got enough experience. You lived in this house long enough. You had us as parents long enough that by this time, you should have already figured this out. By this time. Ooh, I came to tell somebody that you are wrestling with some things and seeing some things in your life and you got some trouble. But listen, haven't you been through enough that by this time, come on, that by this time that shouldn't scare you anymore? That by this time that shouldn't mess you up anymore? That by this time you can overcome it? By, by this time... By this time, you have enough experience. Last week, I talked about growing through being stretched. This week, I want to talk about growing through your past experiences. Because it's one of the best ways to grow. Through our past experiences, I heard one person tell me, you know what I love about Jesus? I said, what? He said, when you decide to follow him, he erases your entire past. Boy, that is good. The Bible says that when you give your life to him, he throws your sins as far as the east is from the west. Can you imagine? That means Jesus literally does not remember when you cussed that person out last day in traffic. He forgot it already. He forgot it already. He's just so good like that. He told me, that's what I love about Jesus. I said, amen. He said, you know what I don't like about Jesus? I said, I said what? He said, he, he, he didn't help me forget it. <laughs> and so, so, every, so every heartbreak I ever experienced is still in me. So every time someone let me down, it's still in me. So every time I've been disappointed, it's still in me. So every time someone abused me when I was a kid, that's still in me. I wish he would erase that. But have you ever taken a second to think maybe he left those things in you for a purpose? What if Jesus knew that he could not erase your experiences? He could not erase your past because if he erased your past, he'd erase your growth. I can't get rid of all that. It's all that that made you who you are today. And so maybe we ought to stop trying to avoid our past, retell our past, and start looking back at it. Because here's the title of my sermon. Because hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. 2020 is a year most of us would like to forget. But what if we just intentionally decided we will not? We will remember it. And we will remember every lesson that it taught us because experience is a great teacher, especially when the experience revolves around an unpleasant uh, experience. The most unpleasant experiences are the ones that leave the lasting impact. Like I remember my very first car accident. I was really grateful for the way it happened because you're going to have it happen at one point. If you haven't gotten into a car accident yet, just wait. It's going to happen. Like, Pastor, you should be positive. I am. I'm positive you're going to get yourself in an accident at some point in your life. I promise you. 
I'm really glad the way it happened because uh, it was with my dad. I don't mean he was in the car. I mean he was the car that I hit. <laughs> I got, I, he, we were, his car was here, my car was here, and he backed out, and then he started driving. And the moment he was driving, I started backing out, and I just teed him. And I can remember at the very last minute looking at my rearview mirror, and I couldn't really make out his words. All I saw in the mirror was, I'm glad to say that ever since that moment, I have never been in an accident again while driving in reverse. (laughs) Never. That experience Satan. I remember one of the first weddings I ever did. (laughs) You're going to want to hear this story before you ask me to be your officiant. First way, it was a big one, one of the first ones, because it was for the, one of the assistant principals at this high school that we were ministering at. So they were letting us do outreaches in the school. That's back when I was a youth pastor. So it was very important that this relationship is good. So he said, hey, my daughter's getting married. Do you think you can do the wedding? I felt so honored. I was like, oh, I'm connecting with the community, making network. Like, this is Jesus, the gospel, you know? So we go to the wedding. I do the wedding. I kid you not. Some people ask me, be like, did you make up these stories when you tell them? Nope, I promise. They're all true. Sometimes I change the names to protect the innocent, but they're all true. <laughs> So I go up there, I get ready to do the wedding, we're doing, and in the middle of their vows, I got my cell phone in my pocket, and it goes off, and I'm looking at the person, and they're looking at me, and for a second, I'm like, can we all just pretend like this is not happening right now? But the bride, she was such a trooper, she looked at me, she said, pick it up. She said, pick it up. I was like, nah, I can't pick it up. She said, pick it up. I said, why? She was like, because we want this in our wedding video. She said, we want to remember this. Please pick it up. So dude, I'm just like, hello? I think it might have been Liz or my wife or my dad. I can't remember. And they're like, hey, you still at the wedding? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Can I call you back? Sure, thanks. By the power invested in me, (laughs) it was just just so, you know, and I've done a lot of weddings since then, and never once has the cell phone gone off. I don't even bring cell phones to weddings anymore. I leave them in the car. Experience is is a good teacher, but experience alone isn't what grows you. I know that because I did some research that almost messed up my whole message. I was looking up. I came across this statistic about divorce rates in America, and this isn't a shot at anybody who's divorced or who has been divorced multiple times. If anything, if you're in the room today and you've been divorced multiple times, I guess it's your time to say amen because you know. You know what it was like. You know what it's like. So I read this statistic and it said 50% of all first marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. I thought, well, that's sad. But that makes sense. They got no experience. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I didn't know we were supposed to share stuff. <laughs> I didn't know we were supposed to join our bank accounts. I didn't know I couldn't sleep with other people. Um, and so, you know, they learn stuff. They, they, learn, they learn stuff. <laughs> they learn stuff. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then I keep reading. And the statistic said, second marriage, so 50% for first marriages. Second marriage, 67% get divorced. And then the third marriage, 73% of third marriages get divorced, which completely blew up my hypothesis because if experience is how you grow, then by the third marriage, (laughs) 
I mean, you don't figure this out about the third one. But anybody who's been married multiple times, I said this isn't a moment of condemnation. I think this is a moment that you would say amen because you know there's a difference. And here's my first point between having experience and here's point number one and learning from your experience. Learn from your experience. Because, write this down if you're taking notes, it's one thing to go through something. It's another thing to grow through something. It's another thing to grow through something. I want to share with you a story. We're going to go back to the Old Testament for a second, and we're going to look at one of the most famous experiences in the Bible. This is the experience of the Exodus. The Exodus is that time when God's people are leaving Egypt and going to the promised land, this land that he has for them. It is flowing with milk and honey. It's a good place. It's a promise. It's a destiny. And after this event, the Jewish people, even the Christian people, we keep talking about this event because this event is seminal. It shapes the way we, we believe about salvation. It shapes our thoughts about God. It shapes our thought about redemption. It shapes our thoughts about purpose. It shapes our theology. Even in Hebrews, if you go to the next chapter, they reference the Exodus. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, again, because we're learning through our experiences, and that's what they were doing. Deuteronomy 4, 9, you see this on the screen. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them fade from your heart. Don't forget as long as you live. Now, the book of Deuteronomy is literally Moses' sermon. He's literally preaching to the Israelites. He's about to die. This is his final sermon, and he's saying, listen, I know you're going to the promised land, but this is the lesson. So I'm going to summarize the whole Bible of Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to summarize it for you so you can get the takeaway. This is the Cliff Notes version. Here's what he's saying. If you want to get to, remember what you came through. That's the whole passage. He's saying, because you got to remember what happened. And and you got to remember two things. First, you got to remember that every time you were up against the obstacle, God got you through it. Remember that because you're going to need that when you face other obstacles. Look back, hindsight's 2020, see how he got you through it. And if he did it before, he's going to do it again. There are times when I get up behind this pulpit to preach and I feel underprepared. There are other times when I get behind this pulpit to preach and I feel overprepared. Then there are other times when I come behind this pulpit and I feel like I got no energy. And then there are other times when I come behind this pulpit and I feel like I got energy for days. There are other times when I come behind this pulpit and there is nowhere in the world I would rather be. And then there are other times I come behind this pulpit and I would rather be anywhere else. In case you're wondering, this is a good day. I'm excited to be here at church today. But in four years of preaching, no matter how I came up here to this pulpit, do you know, even when we went to two services, there has never been a service at Journey Church where I invited someone to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ with the rest of their life, and at least one person has risen their hand. There's never been a Sunday when at least one person has given their hand, raising their hand to Jesus. Here's what I'm trying to say. You cannot allow what you're experiencing to taint the memory of what you've experienced. Because sometimes I'll get up here and I don't feel like it's going to go good because of what I'm experiencing. But when I get into that moment, I have to tell what I'm experiencing to submit to the experience. After four years, you would think he's proven himself by now. JJ, it has nothing to do with you. As long as you get up there, open that Bible, and preach the gospel, I will make sure someone gives their lives to Jesus. I'm going to make sure you do it. Don't let what you're experiencing 
shape the memory of what your experience. You know, sometimes in Florida, you know, because of the hurricanes, it can get kind of scary when you start to see the palm trees bend and the clouds, they cover the moon and the rain. And you're like, this is going to be that moment, like on the TV when I'm on the top of my roof begging for my life. Like, this is going to be it. But if you're a true Floridian, you've been through enough hurricanes to know that if you can just make it through the night, right, that the sun is going to rise in the morning. There might be some felt trees. There might be some flooding, but you're going to make it. Come on, Annie, the orphan was right. You can bet your bottom dollar the sun is going to come out tomorrow. It's a promise. I only mention that because there are some nights in your life, nights when you thought you would never love again. Nights when you thought you would never find purpose again. Nights that you spent sleeping in your car because you didn't have a place to live. Nights that you spent wondering how you were going to cover the mortgage. Nights that you spent contemplating just how fast you could take your life and who would miss you if you were gone. But eight hours later, you woke up to the morning, which is evidence to me that if he did it before, he can do it again. You got to remember your experience. Remember your experience. And don't let what you're experiencing overtake what you've been. By now, by this time, you ought to know God is good. By this time, you ought to know God is strong. By this time, you ought to know God is faithful. By this time, you ought to know God. You ought to know God. Good thing, good thing he preached to the Israelites that way too. Good thing. Because the moment he closes the book, they encounter the Jordan River. Body of water, they got to cross over. But you got to remember how they left Egypt by the Red Sea. God split the Red Sea in half. And there's a big difference between the way the Red Sea miracle happens and the Jordan River happens. When the Red Sea happens, the Bible says all the Israelites were scared. <laughs> they were not moving. They're like, that's water. I'm going to stay dry. God split the sea and then they walked. And the Bible is very clear on this detail. It said, and not one foot stepped on wet ground. It's completely dry. So they waited for the river to spread. But in the Jordan miracle, the Bible says that they stepped into the water and then the river split. I'm just telling you, I don't know who did it, but there was somebody there and they were preaching. When they saw that water, they're like, hey, I know some of y'all scared, but you remember. You remember. You remember when we were on the other side of the Red Sea and God split it? Come on, I'm running in. And they ran to what other people were running from. Because they knew that the God who split the sea was the God who could split the river. I'm just telling you, there's some things in your life that are intimidating that other people run away from. But if you were to take what you're running away from and line it up against what you've experienced, you would dive in the water. You wouldn't walk away from it. You wouldn't walk away from it. I'm thinking about my boy David. I call him my boy, but I never met him. In the Bible. He goes, there's this guy named Goliath who's, who's talking smack. And David goes up to the king and says, I'll I, I fight him. And, and the king is like, but what makes you think that a little 12-year-old boy can kill a 30-year-old grown man, eight feet tall? What makes you think? He goes, I'm a shepherd. And, and when, the, when the bear would come and, and try to take one of my shepherds, one of my sheep, see this rock? See this sling? I would knock that sucker out. If you will go to my house right now, you will see three bear rugs right now. And then after I killed the bear, he tells him, he's just straight up. He goes, and after I killed the bear, there came a lion. And the lion came to take my sheep. He had the sheep in his mouth. And as the sheep was in the mouth of the lion, David told the king, he said, I caught the tiger by the tail. I said, sucker, you better, bam, <laughs> give my sheep back. 
And King Saul, if he did it before, he can do it again. I got this confidence because I got this experience to know that he is faithful and he will not disappoint me. I believe it. I believe it. You know, Moses in the desert, when he was talking to, uh, to, uh, to, to God before the whole Exodus thing even happened, Moses was scared because he's like, nobody's going to believe me that you're my God. Nobody's going to believe me that you spoke to me. He said, what will I do to prove to people that you're with me? And, and God told Moses, he said, throw your staff on the ground. And the staff became a snake. And he said, pick up the snake. And the snake became a staff. He was like, do that in front of Pharaoh and then everybody will believe you. And so I fast forwarded in my Bible to the scene with Pharaoh. And you know what never happens? Somebody's like, yes, it did. I saw the movie. The snake came out. He ate the bad snake, and it all happened. I saw it. I watched it. Read your Bible. It wasn't Moses' staff that was thrown on the ground. It was his brother Aaron's staff that was thrown on the ground. But God told Moses to throw his staff. But Moses has so much faith that his, he was able to look at Aaron. He was saying, Aaron, I know you've never seen this before. But when I was in the desert... I threw the staff on the floor, it became a snake. So, yo, trust me, throw your staff on the floor. And here's the message, because if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Ooh, did I just put all of your suffering in the context of your purpose? Did I just put all your trial in the context of how God wants to use you? God wants your experience because your experience is going to be the faith, center of faith that someone else pulls from and says, oh my gosh, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Matter of fact, the end of Deuteronomy 4.9 says this, teach them to your children and their children after them. That verse that we just read, don't forget, remember, and then it says, and teach it to your children. Can I tell you, the greatest thing you can pass down to your children is not a 401k. The greatest thing you can pass down to your children is not your hoopty. The greatest thing you can pass down to your children is not the deed to your house. The greatest thing you can pass down to your children are the stories of how God came through for you so that when they go through their trials, you go, did you know daddy used to live in a car for three months and he got me and now we're living in this house? Son, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Did you know that mommy and daddy almost divorced? Our marriage almost came apart. But if he did it for us, he can do it for you in your marriage. I want to let you know we serve a God who did it before, <laughs> and he can do it again, and he can do it again, and he can do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And someone says, well, you know, I've never experienced a miracle like that. Well, let me tell you about Elisha. Elisha and his servant, uh, which the prophet, is being surrounded by hundreds of enemy soldiers. And all of a sudden, the servant says, yo, Elisha, we're going to die. We're going to die because there's hundreds of soldiers, and we got nobody fighting for us. And Elisha goes, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know because you never experienced. But Father, give him eyes to see. The servant opens his eyes, looks out the window, and sees an army of flaming chariots. Flaming chariots. And it was God's army that was there for Elisha. Why did I bring that up? Elisha didn't even have to go out the window to look. He just knew. And why did he know? Because of what he experienced. The only other time in the Bible that you see flaming chariots, there's only one other time. I looked it up to be sure. Only one other time in the Bible you see flaming chariots is when his mentor, Elijah, was taken up to heaven. Elijah and Enoch, the only two men in the Bible to never die, comes and takes him. So Elisha, the Bible says, was there when the chariots took him. So he saw, let me put it another way, he experienced chariots of fire. And because he experienced chariots of fire, he knew that they would be in his next season. 
I told you that Moses said, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. You know what we learned from Elisha's life? Elisha's life is, if he did it for him, he can do it for me. If there's anybody in this room that says, I wish I could believe in God, but I've never had an experience, you got a book full of them. And if he did it for him, he can do it for you. If he did it for Moses, he can do it for you. If he did it for Abraham, he can do it for you. If he did it for David, he can do it for you. If he did it for Paul, he can do it for you. If he did it for Ruth, he can do it for you. If he did it for Esther, he can do it for you. If he did it for John, he can do it for you. 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 It's a song. I got two more points. And I'm not going to be able to get to them. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. It's not just important to learn from your experience. You also have to learn the right lesson from your experience. Numbers 11.4. Learn the right lesson from your experience. Numbers 11.4. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat to eat, we remember. Just pay attention. They were slaves for 400 years. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. That's what you remember? 400 years of slavery and your takeaway is that Egypt got good vegetables? That was the lesson? You drew from your time of trial? Be careful. Experience is a good teacher, but make sure it's teaching the right lesson. Uh, I had a friend. His name is, I can't tell you his name because he watches the podcast. He's a pastor. His name's Bill. And Bill got invited to preach to all these different pastors, and Bill's talking to me about his sermon before he's preached. I'm there sitting with him, and it's a sermon about breakthrough. He's like, I can't wait to break this. It's going to be awesomely powerful. So the, the leader of all the other pastors that invited him introduces him and says, this is Bill. He's leading a fast-growing church. And he said, and he's going to give a, a talk on marketing. <laughs> so I see it in his face. He's like, just dead in his face, like, that's not what I prepared. And he goes up there, and he preaches this message on breakthrough, and it was great. The point I'm sharing is that he was a great teacher, but he had the wrong lesson. Experience is a great teacher. Just check the curriculum. Make sure that he's teaching you the right lessons. I can't eat peeps. Do you know what peeps are? They're the marshmallow birds. You're going to see them in a few weeks at Easter. Uh, Easter's probably a few months from now, but as a pastor, it feels like it's a few weeks away. I can't eat them. And the reason why I can't eat them is because when I was younger at an Easter egg hunt, I ate all the candy from all the eggs. I drank no water, running around. And then when I got home after eating all the candy, I saw on my counter six or seven peeps lined up in a row. And they were just calling me. They were colorful, shiny. <laughs> Attracting, so I ate every single peep in one shot and then proceeded to vomit. To this day, if I see a peep, I get nauseous. If I eat a peep, I throw up in my mouth. My, it's crazy that my mind and my body, because it had a bad experience, learned the wrong lesson. The lesson is not peeps are bad for you, although they probably are. The lesson is you can't eat sugar all day, not drink water, eat more sugar, and not throw up. But if I leave that bad experience with the wrong lesson, I'll continue to put myself in positions that make me sick. Don't allow a bad experience to teach you a bad lesson. If you get a bad haircut, the lesson isn't I'm never going to get a haircut again. 
the lesson is your barber sucks. <laughs> and you need to find a different barber or stylist. On that same note, if somebody betrays you, raise your hand if you've been betrayed. The lesson is not I cannot trust people. The lesson is you trusted the wrong person and you got to learn to trust better people. That's the lesson. Make sure you leave with the right lesson. Because if not, you can let a bad experience teach you a bad lesson. Uh, If you served at church a while back and you got burnt out, the lesson is not I'm never serving at church again. The lesson is set boundaries. We kept scheduling you because you kept saying yes. We got a little system at church. It's called serve one, sit one. It's also called PCO. You can like block in your vacation days and, and all of that. Just say no. Set better boundaries for your life. Here's a good one. This one's going to miss her. If you ever walk past somebody in the hallway and they don't say hi, the lesson is not they don't like you. The lesson is they probably didn't see you. That's the lesson. But we will take a whole, we will get a whole education out of, oh my gosh, can you see just walk right past me? Walk right past me. She said, better yet, I got a better lesson for you. The lesson isn't even that they didn't see you. If, if somebody walks past you or doesn't give you your due props or respect and that hurts you in a personal way, the lesson isn't they didn't see you. The lesson is you need to work on your insecurity. Because if your acceptance is derived from the approval, looks, and thank yous of other people, you are building a house on shaky ground. That's the lesson. That's the lesson. Get the right lesson. If you've ever been through a hard time, let me tell you, the lesson is not God abandoned you. Because in the moment, it always feels like that. But in hindsight, they were complaining about manna in the desert. But now when you look back, you go, oh, snap, God was providing bread from heaven. The lesson is not God abandoned you. The lesson was he was always there. You just don't see it until hindsight. So I'm going to give you three steps real quick. You can, you can learn lessons from and there will... Wrap it up. Question number one, does it pull you away from God or to him? If the lesson you got from your bad experience pulls you away from God, that's not his lesson. It should always pull you to him. Number two, does the lesson take you away from community or towards it? Because if it pulls you away from God, you should know that's not God's lesson. That's the enemy's lesson. And that's the lesson he wants you to learn because he can destroy you when you go into isolation. So don't go into isolation. Move towards community. Well, that's why I'm not in a small group. Because the last time I was in a small group, you know, there was somebody crazy there, and I don't like it. That, that doesn't mean all small groups are bad. That means that there's one crazy person in your small group. And by the way, there's a crazy person in every small group. And by the way, if you don't think there's a crazy person in every small group, you are the crazy person in your small group. Somebody say facts. Facts. FYI, number three, this is very important. If that lesson makes you feel less than or more than, if that lesson makes you feel good about yourself, that's the lesson God was trying to tell you. If that lesson makes you feel worse about yourself, that lesson didn't come from God. Case in point, rejection. Rejection, I can help you overcome rejection right now because rejection always teaches the same lesson and it's wrong. Rejection, there's a good lesson and a bad lesson. Rejection will teach you if you're not careful that there's something wrong with you. That's what rejection teaches you. So when you ask her out, you finally build up the courage. And you're like, hey, you know, I've been praying about it. And she's like, God has not spoken to me. <laughs> What's the first thought? Something wrong with me. 
maybe I'm not tall enough or handsome enough or fit enough or good, good talker enough or something wrong with me. When you don't get the job, something wrong with me. When you don't get the ministry position, you don't get promoted, something wrong with me. It's always something wrong with me. That is not the lesson of rejection. Why does it have to be always, what's wrong with you? What if we changed it? What if the lesson was not, there's something wrong with me? What if the lesson was, there's something wrong with the opportunity? Listen, I, I've been in the parking lot uh, trying to open the door of my car. And I remember this. I got my keys out. I'm at the mall. I'm trying to get in my car. I'm trying to get in my car. And the key's not working. And I hit the button. The button's not working. And my car supposedly has one of those codes. I don't know the code for that thing. And so I'm just there. I'm just there. And the first thought was, there's something wrong with me. Something wrong with my key. There's something wrong with my battery. Something wrong. And then I went around. It wasn't my car. Hey, raise your hand if you ever tried to open up someone else's car right now. You better tell the truth to shame the devil. You know, you've been there like. <laughs> if you get rejected at a door, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. That just means it's not your door. <laughs> it's not your door. Because if it was your door, it will open. But it's not your door, so don't give up hope. Just keep walking around that parking lot. You're going to find the door that your key opens to. If you just keep trying, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with the door. That wasn't your door. But there is another door that's waiting for you. If you just keep going, it's not rejection. It's redirection. God's trying to show you that I've got a door for you. Just keep going. Keep moving. Walk into it. Listen, and the first thought that you think is, oh my God, somebody stole my car. Can I just tell you on behalf of heaven, nobody stole your destiny. Nobody stole your spouse. Nobody stole your blessing. Nobody stole your promise. It's right where God parked it. Just keep going. You got the key. Just keep turning. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. That's the lesson of rejection. You got to learn the right lesson. You got to learn the right lesson. You got to learn the right lesson. We're going to close right now. Would you just stand with me? You got to learn the right lesson. You want my last point? I'll give it to you real quick. It's important. It's my last point. So you got to learn from your experience. You got to learn from the right lessons from your experience. Here's the other one. Grow beyond your experience. I'm going to give you, I'm going to have to just tell you the Bible story because we don't have a lot of time. Here's the Bible story. Bible story is the people of Egypt are out there. They're running all muck and they, and Moses is on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. In hindsight, it might have been faster to read you the story, but he goes up to the Ten Commandments. And while he's gone, the people make an idol. They throw their gold in a fire, and out comes a golden calf. Out comes a golden calf. So they're making it out, and then they praise this golden calf, and they say, this is the God that left us out of Egypt. It's a sad moment because of what everything God just did. I was always thrown back by that. And then I did a little study in Egyptian theology, and I found that one of their greatest gods in their pantheon, remember, they were slaves for 400 years. The greatest God in their pantheon, his name was Apis. And he was like one of the most famous gods. Can I show you a picture of Apis real quick? Can I throw it on the screen? What came out of the fire? A golden calf. Who was the God in the land that they had just been in for 400 years? A golden calf. Listen, they weren't trying to worship another God. That's all that they knew. That was their experience. 
after 400 years of being a slave, here's, my, here's, here's the point. Don't make an idol out of your experience. Well, I, I've never had a man love me just for me. He's always wanted something more. That might be your experience, but don't make that an idol. There's never been a father in my family who stood with the family long enough to actually raise it. That might be your experience, but don't make that an idol. I've never been good at any academic test, and so I'm not even going to just skip college because I'm a bad student. That might have been your experience, but don't make that experience your idol. God is calling you to go beyond your experience, and I just believe, like he sent me here today to tell somebody, that he is going to begin to take you into places and spaces you have no experience being in. Things that your station of life say that you should be exempt from. You can't be here because you're a minority. You can't be here because you're old. You can't be here because you're young. And God is like, don't listen to him. I'm taking you beyond your experience. We're going to grow beyond your past. We're going to grow beyond. I know you got this addiction, and this addiction feels like you're never going to be free. But don't put that addiction on the altar and worship it as an idol. It can't tell you what to do and what not to do. I free you from that. We're going to go beyond our experience today. Every head, but every eye closed. If you're in this room today, I want to introduce you to somebody named Jesus, and, and, I, and, I, and I, hear, I hear it all over this room. Well, I tried Jesus before. It didn't work. Or I've never tried Jesus before. Okay. Well, guess what? It's time to grow beyond your experience. Last time I, didn't, I did church, it hurt me. It didn't work out. Okay. But it's time to grow beyond our experience. Jesus wants a relationship with you today. So all over this room, if you're ready to grow beyond, if you're ready to change the narrative about your relationship with Christ, I'm going to pray for everyone else in a second, but right now I'm talking to those who need Jesus in a desperate way. You're far from him. This is why we do Sundays. This is why we put all in the work for you right now. God is calling you higher. He's saying, come to me, grow beyond. If that's you, you're in this room today. When I count to three, I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky. Jesus, I need you in my life. All over this room, when I say three, shoot your right hand up. Jesus, I need you. If you're ready, if you're ready to start a relationship with him, to grow beyond your experience with church, to grow beyond your experience with Jesus. Didn't work the last time. This is a new time. We're growing beyond. All over this room, on count of three. One, two, shoot your right hand up to the sky. One, two, three. Right now, come on. Hi. Come on, I want to see it. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand. I see those hands over in the corner. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hand down. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer after me. And I want to ask all of Journey Church to help support those individuals who just raised their hands, including the worship team. If we can all pray this prayer together, let's pray it. Father God, I'm coming home to you. My experience is scarred, but I believe there's healing in my future. And so I'm following you, Jesus. I'm ready to grow beyond what I've experienced. There's a new life waiting for me. There's new hope waiting for me. And I'm ready. Come on, that's where the power is. Say, I'm ready. And I'm ready. This time. This time. This time. This time. This time. I'm coming home to you. In Jesus' name we pray. I receive you into my heart. Make you the Lord of my life. Amen. And amen. Come on, put it together for all those who... Come on, hey. Now, I want to keep this prayer going right now. If you're in the room today 
and you're experiencing something that's heavy on you, I want you right now to close your eyes as we go into one more song of worship. And I want you to reflect not just on your experience, but what you've experienced. Come on, there was a God who got you through some things. There was a God who got you through some bad moments. And so right now, we're going to reject every bad lesson from our bad experience. And we say, God, you got plans for my life. I'm going to trust you right now. And so, Lord, I lay it all at your feet. Come on, if you're ready to break the cycle of sin, addictions, shame. Right now, we break it right now. Come on, we break that cycle right now. New, new. I'm going beyond. 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 We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.